0: Thank you for tuning in and joining us in worship. Uh, my name is Luke and I'm going to be leading today. And this is Curtis and my mom, Sarah. And we're just really excited to be worshiping. And And we like kind of facing each other because it's a family, it's a community, it's all of us included. And even though you're at home watching this, we're excited that you're we're worshiping with us. And we're all worshiping the same God. And, and that's what I've been learning about this week is that this, this God loves us. And this God loves us like... A parent loves a child, and we're supposed to be looking to this God and have a relationship with this God as a child has with a loving, perfect parent, which we don't experience here on earth, but but we're supposed to be dependent on the Lord and giving Him our adoration and affection and just being totally content in Him. And so as we worship and as we sing of God's love awakening us and God's love being greater and stronger than anything else that we've ever that we could ever face. Let's, let's just sing this in belief. If you don't feel it right now, sing it and believe it. And we'll be praying that you feel it today. And, and if you do feel it, then rejoice and lift up sounds of joy as we worship this God whose love is better than life. Let's do this. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four.
1: You called me into the light. You called my name and then my heart came alive. Your love is greater. Your love is stronger. Your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. Your love is greater. Me.
0: seems to be no way, God. I know some of some of us listening, some of us in this room even. We have struggles that seem to be insurmountable and and things in our lives that are just overwhelming. And God, it's hard to sing sometimes you are the waymaker. You are the miracle worker. But Father, we believe it and we see it in the scripture. We see that you can do the impossible and so we pray for everybody listening God that you would bring breakthrough and that we would believe that even if we're not experiencing it right now, that we would believe that you can do the impossible in our lives. We believe that this morning help us to sing this in Jesus name. to
1: you. Do you?
2: Park Church, my name is Courtney. Whether you're joining us from church online or one of our dwell gatherings, welcome and here's your family news. Willow Park Church in Lake Country's 11th annual back-to-school giveaway is happening today. Please be in prayer for this event as we give away brand new backpacks, lunch kits, clothing, and more to families in need. We are once again raising funds for Child of Mine, which supports two children's homes in Northern India. A group of runners and walkers will be doing a virtual event in mid-October. There will be various distances available for you to train for. This year, the funds raised will go towards post-secondary education for graduates of the homes. More information will be available soon for those who would like to donate to this worthy project. If you'd like to participate or receive more information, please contact Al Gillespie at algillespie5 at gmail.com. Dwell gatherings are small in-person services that happen every Sunday at three of our locations. Just a reminder that registration opens every Sunday at 12 p.m. for the following weekend. Reserve your seat today at willowparkchurch.com dwell. That's all for your family news. Thanks and enjoy your service.
3: Okay, Drew, I'm good to go. Are we ready? All right. Isn't this this like church, TV studio church? It's kind of different, but that's the South way. We're good with that. Good morning, everybody. It is so good to see you. Well, not see you, just join you this morning on Sunday morning, and we're so grateful that you are with us. Uh, We have a room full of people here at the the South location in the mission, and we're grateful that you are just putting time aside uh, to enjoy church with us uh, in a second, I'm going to invite Luke, my son, to come and share with us from Psalm 23. He was also leading worship miraculously a few seconds ago uh, that you would have enjoyed on online. But uh, Luke is going to bring the word. Before that, I've got three things really quickly to share with you. First of all, it's so nice to be able to increase. It's like we're coming out of COVID blinking into the sunlight, emerging slowly. And, uh, and it's just been lovely to connect with more and more of you on a weekly basis, especially on a Sunday morning. Uh, so if you're still hesitant about whether or not to come on a Sunday morning, don't be. Unless you're kind of cocooning yourself at home. If you're going to restaurants or if you're going to Canadian Superstore, w- honestly, we do a better job than them. I, I say we, it's actually Nicole and the team they do an amazing job of setting this place up. So we, we put protocols on protocols. I mean, it's really, really quite impressive. And uh, so you should come and join us because community is important. And you can register now uh, midday on Sundays onwards. You can register. So, uh, so please please come out and say hi. It would be great to see you all. The second thing I want to share with you is uh, this morning our 9 a.m. service Uh, We welcome back Janet and Terry Courtney. As many of you know, Janet has been going through this journey over the last eight months uh, fighting cancer. And uh, she found out at the beginning of last week that she's in full remission. She's allowed to come home. So we had a big celebration this morning, and uh, it was lovely to see her continue to pray for her and Terry. Uh, She's still kind of getting back to full speed, but knowing Janet, she'll get there really quickly. And thirdly, uh, we also welcomed a new church family member, Rohan, that's uh, Jared and Chanel Duncan's new little boy was born, uh, I think it was, begin, was it last week, not this last week, but the week before, so I missed it last Sunday. Um, but we're, uh, we're really grateful that all went well. And so we've got a couple of baby dedications to do. We're going to have to figure that out. And uh, we've got some baptisms coming up as well in the next month. So it's, it's busy church life, even though it's not normal, kind of normal church life. So anyway, I'm going to stop talking and invite Luke to come up and join me. We're going to pray for Luke and uh, looking forward to hearing what the Lord has said to him about Psalm 23. I just stop growing. Okay. All right, let's, uh, let's, pray for, let's pray for Luke, everybody. Father, I thank you for this young man, Lord. I'm proud of him because he's my son, but I'm also just proud and pleased to see what you are doing in him and through him. Thankful, Lord, for the, the desire and the gift you've given him in terms of searching your scriptures and then communicating them. And Lord, I pray that you would just sense a flow and a freedom as he speaks now to us, that, Lord, that he would sense your presence and your anointing, and that we as the listeners, Lord, that your word would find good ground. Lord, I pray that people who are listening now or in the future, online, uh, or even in years to come, Lord, will be touched, encouraged, and challenged, Lord, by your word. We pray all this, Lord, because we know that you're on him and around him and in him. And, uh, Lord, I just pray you would just enjoy using his gift now to the fullest. And we ask these things in your name, Jesus. We love you. Amen. Amen. Thanks.
0: Um, yeah, awesome. Well, my name's Luke, and I preached once this morning. That was my trial run. So this one will actually be the good one, I promise. <laughs> but it's so good. Like, I love just, I love being here. I love seeing people come in and saying hi. It's I love just being together as the church, because that's what, that's what we're here for. So it's awesome. If you guys have your Bibles... We'll just stay in one passage, which I'm sure you can guess, Psalm 23. And I'm focusing on verse 5, but I just wanted to read through the whole psalm. So if you have your Bibles or your apps, let me read with me here. So Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And that last bit, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, that's what we're focusing on today. So when we think of enemies, because that's kind of the first thing that stands out when I read this, like my enemies. and I think of like people. I think of whether it's like you can think about the army and like actual nations against nations or whatever, but for me, one of my biggest, <laughs> most the memory that sticks out in my mind of an enemy that I have, is when I was in grade two, and so it was a it was a big deal. It was a big enemy in my life. I had this guy in my in my grade who had a crush on the same girl that I had a crush on. I'm not going to say their names just because that'd be embarrassing, um, but. Yeah, and so I was I was fairly decent at soccer in grade two. So every recess, every lunch, I would use my soccer skills to impress this girl, so that she would have a crush on me. Because it was so simple, and I, it was working, I think. But then my friend or my enemy, he was way better at me than uh, he was way better than me at hockey. And so he would go and at recess, and lunch when we played hockey, he would just make me look like a fool. And I remember looking at him, just like this guy's out to get me. He just oh. I want this guy done with, you know, and he was my, he was my enemy in that way, and it's goofy, but I think that's, a lot of times we think of, like, people as being our enemies, and I kind of wanted to focus more on, on us, how we can be our own enemy, how we can be our own worst enemy sometimes. And I think we do that in a couple ways, but I know for me, like, in my day-to-day, I do things I, I wish I shouldn't have done, or I know I shouldn't do. I think things I wish I shouldn't, I've thought i I say things about people, I, I frustrate myself, I get worried, I get, I get caught up in my mind, I get, I send myself into a spiral. I think we all know that there are times where we're just like, we're frustrated with ourselves, and we get annoyed, and we get like, all we're doing is just causing us harm, and we're a danger to ourselves sometimes, and, and we do have, as Christians, we do have an enemy, we have a spiritual enemy. Who Jesus talks about, who's the Father of lies, and he tries to bait us into believing lies, he tries to get us to sin, and for sure that plays a huge part, and it's not to be dismissed at all, but I wanted to focus more on how we sometimes we give him opportunities almost to capitalize on like we we give our we have a proclivity to look at things and to do things, and he loves that, and he uses that and leads us into more and more. Does that make sense? Like, we have our own, we do things to ourselves that isn't, I think, that isn't just from the enemy that we cause to ourselves, but then he uses that to lead us into more. I think that makes sense. It makes sense in my mind. I think it's biblical, too. So, I wanted to focus on the two main ways that we're our enemies, that we're our own enemies. So, the first way is our conversations that we have with ourselves, our thoughts. And for me, it's, It's I spiral myself into worry and fear, and I overthink things, and I think about what I'm overthinking, and I overthink about how I'm overthinking that I'm thinking, and it's just terrifying, and I've had days of my life just, like, wasted because I've been caught up thinking about one thing over and over and over again, I spiral, and so this might look like, I think it looks different for everybody, but maybe it's with your job, so you go to work, and you're just thinking, oh, I don't really want to go to work today, I'm doing my best, but I feel like people don't like me, and I think that person has it out for me. I think my boss isn't a huge fan of me. I think my boss is actually looking to fire me. What should I do if I get fired? Should I move? What do my friends and family think about me- moving? Should I go abroad? Should I become a missionary? All these things, and it's just like, you just get caught in this spiral. It's like It needs to be simpler than that. We're our own enemy in that way. Or maybe we direct it towards God, and we go, oh, I messed up. God's probably unhappy with me. I wonder what I should do to make it up for him. Oh, I should do this. I should go here. I should say this less. I, you know, but he's probably still unhappy, and I'm so messed up, and I'm just I'm a lost cause, and we just get caught in a spiral of of worry and fear and anxiousness, and and we're an enemy to ourselves. We trap ourselves in in our thoughts, and so that's the one way. And I think the second way, it's probably more obvious to us. Maybe we catch ourselves doing it more. It's just our sinful nature. The things we do that we know we shouldn't do. And so, whether it's stealing or envying something or somebody else, whether we complain and grumble, whether we gossip about people, whether we become prideful, when we watch things we know we shouldn't watch, when we listen to things we know we shouldn't listen to, when we do things that are against what God says for us to do, against what his heart is, when we disobey him and dishonor him, that's sin. And every single person has a sinful heart, naturally. Every Christian, every non-Christian, we all have sinful hearts. And that sin is what tears us from God. Like God made us and he made us perfect and we, Adam and Eve, sinned against him. We decided that what was on earth was better than him. What was on earth was more important, what ourselves were more important than having God, than needing God, than looking to God, than obeying God. And God is perfect. So we're disobeying the most perfect, important, glorious, holy thing in the universe. We're dishonoring Him. And we've torn ourselves apart from Him. And that's what we we need to be with God. But our sin is saying, God, we don't need you. And so we are sinful. And sin deserves Punishment. It's like it's clear in the Bible. When we sin, we deserve punishment. And the punishment for it is death and hell. And it's scary to think about and it's heavy, but it's real. That's our fate. That's what I deserve. As a sinful person, that's what I deserve. Because I've dishonored God, I've disobeyed Him. It's His creation. We should be following Him. We should be doing what He calls us to do, but we don't. We. our own worst enemy because we love sinning and I've heard it said that the only reason we sin is because we love it I think sometimes that is just so like I don't want to stop doing this I don't want to do what God has told me to do or do what honors him I want to keep doing this and that is the worst thing that we could do for ourselves Sin is the worst thing we could do for ourselves. So we need saving from this. We need saving from our thoughts that run wild and just cause us grief and chaos. And we need saving from our sin, our old self that the Bible talks about. We need saving from this. Saving from our own worst enemy. And so I'm talking about sin and hell and death and just normal everyday lighthearted stuff. And Jesus then says, in the presence of that, I'm gonna set a dinner table for you. I don't know if you guys like when you read this. When I read this, I, I'm like, I'm just gonna. I don't, I don't, I don't get that. That Doesn't make any sense to me because I have an enemy in my life, myself, and I have the enemy, and maybe even a personal enemy. And God says, "Okay, in the presence of all those things, don't worry. I have a dinner table for you." That doesn't make sense. (laughs) Like the first, like what does that mean? Like, what, is a, what does a dinner table mean? And I'll get to that in a second. But I just wanted to look at this. You prepare a table before me. You set a table. And so as a kid, I have done my fair share of setting the table. And I usually set it wrong. I put the fork on the wrong side. And I eat, anyway, I don't, I don't want to talk about that. I don't eat with my cutlery properly. And so I set up everybody else's wrong. And so I know that whole ordeal of setting up a table for people and when you have guests of honor coming and it's the servants of the kids who set the table for the people coming and and it's a big event and and so that's what, but that's what's normal. The servants set a table for the people who are coming. Like, you don't see Queen Elizabeth. You think she set up this table? There's no chance. She got servants to do that. She doesn't set the table for her servants. The servants set the table for the queen. The kids set it for the parents and the guests of honor. But then we see that God says that He prepares a table for us. The creator of the universe, the perfect, holy, glorious, beautiful one, He set the table for you and me with our sinful hearts. He sets a table for us. Just let that sink in for a second. God loves us so much that he was willing to become a servant, to take the form of a servant, to empty himself so that he could set a table for us. For you and me, even though we are the lowest of the low, the king of kings, the creator of the universe, sets the table for us. It's because of his incredible love for you, His incredible love for us. He would not chase us down through the entire Old Testament without his incredible love for us if he didn't love us he wouldn't say to Adam and Eve right after they messed up where are you and clothe them if he didn't love them he wouldn't see us in our sin and have sinful hearts he wouldn't see us and go to the cross if he didn't love us he loves us and so he sets the table for us and so what is this table and I think I like the picture of it kind of being like a family table, because as I already said, I would just get embarrassed if I was at the queen's table eating with my wrong hand and my fork and stuff like that. And so I like the picture of just a family dinner where you're with people. You have a community. You have an abundance of food. You're satisfied with the food that you're eating. There's joy. There's laughter. There's love between people. There's peace. You're not rushing to get away. You're enjoying the moment. It's like Christmas dinner. You're not, you're waiting, like, after the presents, I'm waiting the whole day for that meal. I love Christmas dinner because I love the feeling it brings of just, like, I'm not doing anything else right now. This is the most important thing. I'm relaxed. I'm rested. I'm satisfied. I'm with the people I love. I'm, I'm, I'm at peace. You just rest at the table. And it's a place of community. And especially right now, it's a place of community where we feel that, we've been isolated and we feel like we're not seeing people as much. And so I am going to talk about more how the table is a picture of of us and God, like me and God sitting at the table. But I think it's also important, like we need other people at the table too. We need to invite people to this table, to be with them, to feed off of what they're learning and to have that community there and grow. And so I want to focus on, that this table is a picture of our relationship with God. It's us sitting with God, being ourselves, enjoying his company, and he's sitting there with us. It's not like when you go to a bank and you sit at a table and it's very clinical and you ask that the banker for stuff and they give you stuff and, okay, cool, and you can leave. It's, no, you sit there, you rest. It's relational And you enjoy the presence of the God that you're with. Like if I'm on a date with my girlfriend, Rachel, I'm sitting with her, enjoying her presence. Myself, herself, we're just resting. It's relational. And that's what it is with God. And and David says that he will fear no evil. In the verse before, even though he walks through the valley of the shadow of death, he's not going to fear any evil. Because he's with God. He's with God. David sought after God's own heart. He knew him relationally. He was with God, so he had peace. And if there's one thing that you take away from today, it's this phrase. It's join him at the table. So for the rest of the sermon, just keep thinking about that. Join him at the table. Join God at the table. Sit down with him. Be with him at the table. Because being with him at the table, there's peace. There's peace. You're not rushing away. You don't have to fear anything that's going on. You're peaceful because you're with him. So let's look at our thoughts and our conversations with ourselves. Like, what does it mean that Jesus sets a table of peace here for us? Well, Isaiah 26.3 says this. Oh, no, what happened? I missed this slide. Oh, no. There we go. That's the one. Isaiah 26.3. You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. When we join God at the table, when our focus is on him, when he's the center of our attention, when we stay our mind on him, we are kept in perfect peace. The Hebrew for this is actually shalom, shalom, peace, peace. Perfect, just any better peace than you could find anywhere else. Peace. So, what does that actually look like? What is joining him at the table, staying our mind on him, having perfect peace? What does that look like? Well, it looks like this. Oh no, my slides are. Could you go to 2 Corinthians 10 5, that slide? Yeah, perfect. So, staying at the table, joining him at the table, looks like taking. Every thought captive. Because if we're having conversations with ourselves, if we're driving ourselves into worry and fear, what we have to do is we have to take our thoughts captive. If I have a dog, like our dog Maggie, if she's running around like crazy, out of control, I need to get her. I need to take her captive, rein her in. like, And I'm not going to slap her, but just be like, Max, are you serious? Like that kind of thing. Just take her captive because she's running around like crazy. She's going to hurt herself. So she, We need to take her captive. We need to take our thoughts captive. So our thoughts that, that if they lead us to worry, we need to take it captive, join Christ at the table. And by that, I mean respond with truth. Respond with the Bible. Respond with the truth of Christ. So if you're worried, find a verse. Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. If you're worried, read this verse and believe it and soak in it. Do not be anxious. Okay, I'm with you, God. I trust your word. I won't be anxious. If your thoughts are leading you to doubt that that God loves you, bring to mind the verses about God's love. We love because he first loved us. God so loved the world. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be children of God. Remind yourself, take the thought captive. Oh, I'm, I'm really worried, stuff's going on, I'm really afraid. Take it captive, go, no, Jesus says I don't need to worry. Jesus says I don't need to be afraid. If you're worried about the future, Jesus says don't be anxious about tomorrow. Take the thought captive, wrestle it to the ground. And overcome it with the truth of Christ. And what's beautiful in this is that it's not our own, like, it's not our own, we're not by ourselves in this. It's not like, oh, we say this and then we're good. The Holy Spirit is with us and helps us. And helps us believe these things. And he brings to mind verses. And this is what's incredible. There was one time, really hard time in my life, and I I was just praying to God. And I had never read the verse before. But God put a verse in my mind, and i it was everything I needed it to be. Over and over again over the next couple of months, I kept coming back to that verse because God had given me that. He gave me peace. So we take every thought captive. We join him at the table, knowing that the Holy Spirit helps us. And then Philippians 4.8, things should come up. Finally, brothers, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Instead of worrying, instead of fear, instead of listening to ourselves so much, think about these things. And the only thing that I can think of that's worthy of praise, there's any, the only thing I can think of that has any excellence, that is purely lovely, purely honorable, is Jesus. That's the only thing I know that's worthy of praise. And so when our mind is going crazy and when our thoughts are running wild and it's just chaos, think about Jesus. Join him at the table. Join him there. Fill your mind with the truth of Christ. Respond with the Holy Spirit's help. Respond to your thoughts with truth that overrules them and overcomes them. Think about Jesus. Think about his love for you. Think about his grace, that he would set a table for you and me. Think about his forgiveness, his beauty, his power. Think about Jesus. So how does that actually work? Like, how does that play out in our lives? Well, firstly, we need to read the word. We need to read the word of God and fill our minds with this. Because this is truth. If we stay our mind on ourselves, if I if I know, If I keep my mind on myself, I'm in a never-ending spiral of worry and fear and anxiousness, and it traps me. I'm a danger to myself if I keep my mind on myself. But we stay our mind on God by staying our mind on God. We have to think about God. We have to think about what he said. We have to be with him. We have to seek his own heart like David did. We have to join him at the table, enjoy his relationship. We have to be with him. And so this looks like just in the morning, before anything else goes on, you center your attention on to Jesus. You think about him. You think about who he is. You think about his words. It says, don't worry. Don't worry about tomorrow. I'll provide every need for you. Don't worry about money. Just trust Jesus and be with him in the morning. Just be quiet. Read his word. Listen to sermons and podcasts that are rooted in Scripture and just soak it in. You're not going to find peace in your mind if you're listening to garbage, if you're listening to worldly stuff that is just also sinful. You're not going to find peace. You're not going to find it if we're spending our whole time, if we're not at work or if we're not doing stuff, if we're spending our whole time just watching TV or watching movies or... I'm not saying those are bad things, but we can't expect to have peace in our minds if all we're thinking about and our minds are centered on these things. If our minds are centered on anything other than Jesus, God himself, his words, we're not going to find peace. Peace is only found in the prince of peace. But in order to find that peace, in order to be able to turn to Jesus and look at his word and be filled with the Holy Spirit who helps us and counsels us, we need to have peace with God. And this goes back to what I was saying before about our sin and how our sin has made us against God. We've torn ourselves away from the creator, and we need to have peace with him again. But how do we do that? And if we go back to the queen table analogy, I don't get to go to the queen's table unless I'm invited. I can't do everything I can and do good stuff and then expect her and just show up and her be like, oh, cool, Luke's here. Great. She needs to invite me to the table. I need to be worthy of getting to that table. And so if God sets a table for us, how are we worthy of that table? And I don't like saying it because it, I don't want to point it to us because it's all about God's grace, that God makes us worthy to sit at his table through the forgiveness of our sins, because our sin tears us apart from God, makes us so unworthy to be with him, to be in his presence, to have a relationship with him, makes us so unworthy of it, and we can't do anything to like to make ourselves worthy. We can't do enough good works to make ourselves worthy. We can't say all the right things. We can't not do the wrong things or not say the wrong things. We need forgiveness from God himself. And we can't pay that that payment. Because our sins require punishment. Require death. He's an infinite God. They require an infinite payment. And we can't do that. We're against God. So how do we have peace with God. We have it through Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 3:18 should come up. For Christ also suffered and died once for our sins, for Luke's sins, for your sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. That's me and you, that he might bring us to God. And in Romans it says that we might have peace with God. So Jesus and Jesus's cross His death on the cross and His resurrection is the infinite payment that we could not give to God. It is the way that we have peace with God. And we can't have peace in our thoughts unless we have peace with God and are filled with the Holy Spirit. And so our sins, our sinful nature are leading ourselves into death and hell and just pain in this life now that sinful nature that we could not do anything about, Jesus says, I've taken care of it for you. Just believe in me. Just believe and confess that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. Believe in him. And he's done this because he loves us. He loves us. For the longest time, I lived a faith that was so, it had no love in it. I thought of God's love, I sang of it, but it didn't, makes sense it didn't seem necessary to me like oh what's really necessary is i've been i've been saved and yes for sure but you don't get saved without god's love if god didn't love us he wouldn't save us his love is incredible and so he's made a way for us to have peace with him we can join him at the table We have been made worthy through Jesus Christ of being at the table because we can be forgiven of our sins. We can have peace with God. You prepare a table before me in the presence of our enemies so we can join him at the table. God is peace when our mind is leading us to chaos. And he is peace Jesus is peace for us with God. Forgiveness of our sins. Join Him at the table. Can we get that slide up? Just says join Him at the table. So what is, what does that look like? How do we get that peace with God? And I've already said it, but it really is as simple as this verse says. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord that He is the King of your life, that we're going to follow Him, do what He says, filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered by Him to do those things that He's called us to do. We say that He's Lord, that He's above us, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead and that proved that His death was sufficient to forgive our sins, that his, His death meant that death for us is defeated. If we believe that, you will be saved. So as Christians, I think sometimes I listen, I hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus coming and saving us. I hear it and I'm like, oh, okay, I've already asked for forgiveness and that's cool. Like, why do I need to keep thinking about Jesus' death on the cross? It's because we still have our sinful nature in us. Paul talks about we have to put off our old self and put on our new self. We can't put on that new self if we're if we've forgotten about what Jesus has done. We can't put on our new self, being cleansed from our sin and cleansed and like sanctified, the Bible says. If we're if we're not focusing on Jesus, if we've moved away from the cross and what he's done and his forgiveness of our sins, we we're not growing. We're not following him as we should. We need to daily, over and over and over again, come before him, knowing that he's made peace with God for us, that we have peace with God. We come before him and we say, I messed up again. I'm sorry. Thank you that you love me. Help me, Holy Spirit, help me to do better, to not do that anymore, to live more like you, to follow you. Thank you, Jesus, for your cross. Thank you for your resurrection. We keep coming back to the cross. We never move away from the cross. And non-Christians, people who don't believe in Jesus, it is as simple as believing that he is Lord and believing that God raised him from the dead. You are saved. If you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. Saved from your worst enemy, sin. That you could not save, that we could not save ourselves from. You just need to Just ask for forgiveness and follow him. So we join him at the table. We join him at the table. There's peace with him at the table. And we follow him. So we have a choice. We can either join him at the table, keep our mind on him, fill our mind with the goodness of of Christ and his work for us and forgiveness of our sins and the and the word and fill our minds with God and join him at the table, or we can fill our minds with stuff, stuff that leads us away, stuff that says God isn't as important as this right here. And that choice is a daily, every day, every morning. Will we sit down with him at the table? Throughout the day, will we sit with him? Will we remember that we can have peace with God through Jesus and continual peace, continual peace from our worries and our fears and our anxieties through Jesus? By remembering and keeping our mind on Jesus. That's I want perfect peace. I want that. And that only comes when we have peace with God and when I keep my mind on God and the things of God we can either keep the Bible talks about we can either keep our mind on the earth and the things of earth which actually lead to death or we can keep our mind on God the things of the spirit which leads to life and peace so that's the question will you join him at the table if you're not a Christian will you join him will you have that peace with him Will you have that peace with him? And then from there, will you continually be with him at the table? Will you keep your mind on him, following after him, doing what he did, believing who he is? Because Jesus, God has loved us so much that he hasn't left us dead in our sins. He hasn't left us as we are says, I love you. I'm going to save you. I have saved you through Jesus. Just believe. If you have believed, just keep following me because he will finish the work that he has started in us and he will give us peace every step of the way when we keep our eyes on him. I'll pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. I thank you for your love. I thank you for that you have given us an opportunity to have peace with you, that we were against you in our sins, that we were saying that that you, perfect, beautiful, most glorious God, that you are not as good as something else that this world could offer, and we're sorry. God, but we thank you that you've made a way for us to have peace with you, because you love us. So I pray for everybody listening who doesn't know you, Jesus, I pray that you would speak to their hearts. I pray that you would show them that they need salvation from their sins, forgiveness from their sins, and that's found in you, God. If they would only reach out, believe in you, follow you, there is salvation. I pray, God, that that would happen for people this morning, that there would be salvation that you would show us your steadfast love and grant us your salvation, God. And for those who do believe, I pray for continual peace throughout the week. But I pray that we would set ourselves up for it well, that we would keep our mind on you, keep our hearts set on you, the things above, the things that lead to life and peace instead of the things that lead to death. Jesus, help us, fill us with your Holy Spirit we could have peace, that we could join you at the table, enjoy your company, have you as the center of our attention, that we would follow you, have peace, perfect peace, be kept in perfect peace.